Waking up Singapore. Can I get up, 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 up? The big show on Kiss 92. Can I get up? Good morning, wakey wakey. It is Monday here on the big show with Angel and the Flying Dutchman. Glenn is homesick and we wish him a speedy recovery, but we do have for company two very special people this morning. We've got BB Chair, our principal dietitian, and her guest, which I'll allow you to introduce, BB. Sure, I have a good friend here with me. His name is Joey. He's a sommelier, but also a wine director in San Francisco. Uh, and today he's going to talk to us about, you know, wines. Which was the difference between vegan, bio, and um, um, and and organic wines? That's a huge difference. Um, he's also the director of two companies in Singapore, Fermented as well as Fat Samsung. Yes, because I'm very fat. <laughs> <laughs> good morning, Joey, and morning. welcome to the big show. Thanks for having me. It's, so, it's the perfect topic for a Monday wine. Monday morning, especially eight like o'clock. It. Eight o'clock is the perfect time to start because it's always wine o'clock somewhere, right? So, um, uh, BB was saying that you're going to tell us the difference between vegan, biodynamic, and organic wine. Let's start with vegan because not many people know that yeah. uh, wines may not be vegan. Can you tell us why? Yeah, so at the it, you know the fermenting process in general uh, is about the same for all categories of wine, um, for still wines, and then it gets at the end. Uh, there's filtration process. So with filtration, you're going to get terms like Isinglass, which sounds something like out of the Lord of the Rings, which is pretty cool. Um, but if you're a vegan, you want to avoid Isinglass because that is fish bladders, oh. and so they use fish bladders, egg whites, um, and they put it in the the barrel. Um, before they bottle it, and it'll go down, it'll take away the, the spent yeast cells, so it clarifies the wine. Um, so if you don't want those in your wines, you're going to want to search for people and places that don't use that kind of thing. And the best way to do that, um, if we look at one of the bottles we have here, um, it'll actually say vegan on the back, um, especially in New Zealand, they're very big on, on vegan wines, and they just let it, uh, basically they drop the temperature a little bit in the in the tank and the, the spent yeast cells will just fall down naturally on their own oh, uh, so, so you don't really need to do that so yeah. they don't really replace the isinglass with anything else correct yeah so it's like you'll, you'll hear it a lot i don't know if you've ever watched um in the united states they had like coors and budweiser cold stabilized blah 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 which basically means they don't do anything and they just let it drop to the bottom um, and that clarifies the wine a little bit it's not quite as clear as using uh, egg whites or, or fish bladders or charcoal, but it gets the job done, I think, just just fine. And I don't think people are as concerned with, you know, full clarity anymore in their wines. I think a little a little cloudiness is probably a sign that it's a little bit more on the, on the better side. Okay. What about uh, biodynamic wines? Yeah, so biodynamic and organic in many ways are very similar. Um, it's all about organic uh, viticulture, so what happens in the vineyard. Um, that's usually, you can't really do organic winemaking. Um, that process is kind of on its own. Uh, but in the vineyard, so organic is, you know, where you're using organic, uh, you're not using pesticides, you're, you know, using organic manure to, to do that. But, and then taking it a step further, there's biodynamic, which is an entire process where they take the cycles of the moon and they are only allowed to harvest at certain days of the year, do, uh, do certain things in terms of, you know, how do we fertilize? We've got to get a, like a horn and we dump it in with manure and we bury it in the, in the soils and it has to be done at different parts um, 
of the of the year um, based on the moon cycle. So even during like the uh, during harvest in different parts of the world, like you can't harvest unless it's like a full moon and and so on and so forth. Um, I think a lot of winemakers and, and wineries use that style because it allows them to get closer to understanding and, and really getting into the, the environment of the vineyard. And that's really when it comes down to the quality of the, the grapes, that's, that's a good thing. Mm. So they keep an eye on it a little bit more than, than just plain organic. But organic viticulture, I think, is, is where 90 plus percent of wineries are going just because why not? If you can, mm. it doesn't really raise the price as much anymore, um, even in the United States. So I think a lot of people are looking at that as a, as a sustainable option uh, going forward. Wow. Okay. That brings a whole new meaning to Harvest Moon. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We're going to be talking more about uh, wine and everything wine. And I think BB is going to be cooking up a casserole as well on the Big Show TV. If you want to join us, just head to our YouTube and Facebook channels. It's slash Kiss 92 FM. Today is Monday, the 27th of March. Kiss 92 Day Check by Gain City. That sounds like a whole ritual. You said they take a horn and they wait for the full moon and then they put it in manure and all that. It's like it's like a whole it's a whole ritual. I, I almost see like uh, red Indians dancing. I'm not allowed to say red Indians, but uh, yeah. <laughs> dancing around uh, a fire pit or something. Um, it's pretty it's pretty similar to that. A few years ago, I went to the southern part of France and they had like the summer solstice party and they were doing all sorts of things that I thought, are, are we doing wine or are we in a cult? <laughs> <laughs> what were they, no, please cool. share, what were they doing? No, they were just like, I mean, they had the, the horn and they put, you know, manure into it and like you're going out into the vineyard and you're thinking, okay, <laughs> that's interesting. But I think it, for, for them, it's, it's a whole, it's a whole mindset. It's a philosophy more than just what they're, what they're doing. So it's, it's quite, it's quite interesting. And, and a few people, uh, wineries that we work with, they actually are biodynamic and they, he said the reason they went with that was because they wanted to convert to organic and it made life a lot easier for them to track what they were doing mm. all the, the whole time. So, you know, even though you got the moon cycles and, and different days of the year to do different things, it helped them maintain kind of more control and understanding of what they were doing in the vineyard. Um, so I think that's why a lot of people do that. Other people really do believe that it creates a better vineyard environment it gets better grapes more concentrated fruit um i think we're still a, a little bit off uh, a little bit of ways away from really seeing that as more wineries turn organic then we can kind of compare um, okay. yeah it's quite quite interesting you, okay you, you know joey for for, for sommeliers like yourself you we we go into a restaurant there's sommeliers we go into a wine establishment there's sommeliers uh, and you recommend wines for us but isn't wine really just a personal preference uh, absolutely, 100%. But I think that's where, like, as someone like, you know, if you came into a restaurant I worked at and you're like, I had this wine two weeks ago. It was kind of, I think, I think it was more like this. What is your profile? Uh, and then we'd be, we could we then turn around and hopefully find something on our list because, I mean, obviously the sommelier should know what they have. Yeah. Um, if they don't, they should probably find a new job. But yeah. Yeah. They, uh, and then we, then we choose a wine that, will probably fit your profile. If you have three different people at your table and you ask questions, you should be able to find a wine that, that everybody could enjoy. Can enjoy. Yeah. Okay, uh, let's get uh, BB to do her yeah. demo so that then we can go back on go air back later and, and then this, talk yeah. to Joey a little bit more about sure. wines and all that. Yes. Yeah, so we got, we got uh, one, one minute, so maybe an introduction. Yeah. 
Okay, so we're gonna do a, a open a bottle of wine to do a, a bit of the uh, cooking. Um, and uh, Joey's gonna show us how to properly open a bottle of wine. You know, I always fail opening a bottle of wine. Um, and today we're gonna make a chicken casserole with my favorite uh, mushroom. So typically you would use um, um, a white butter mushroom or other kinds of mushrooms. Uh, but today I'm using a maitake. So maitake is a Japanese style a mushroom. It's called um, the dancing, uh, the, I think it's called the dan dancing uh, hands or something like that, oh, wow. you know, uh, just, because, just because it looks like uh, the tail of uh, the, 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 the roosters or something like that. Um, so this mushroom, why is it special? It's because um, it's much higher in vitamin D than other mushrooms that you can find. So typically mushrooms that are grown with sunlight uh, in contact, they tend to be higher in vitamin D. Okay, we're just going to traffic and then uh, you can briefly describe the ingredients and then we'll ask Joey a bit, bit about wine and then we'll yeah. go back. KISS 92 traffic. Okay, looking at the roads on the BKE towards the PIE, right before the Dairy Farm Road exit, an accident has been spotted. Also on the BKE towards Woodlands, right before the Mundai Road exit, a vehicle has broken down there. Wherever you are today, stay safe. Good morning and thanks so much for tuning in to The Big Show. We are also live on The Big Show TV on our YouTube channel slash Kiss92FM. It is Glenn, not Glenn, it is Angel and the Flying Dutchman as Glenn takes a break and rests in bed. We also have BB as well as her guest Joey and we're speaking about everything wine. Now earlier, Joey, we were talking about a little bit about wine on The Big Show TV and, and FD was asking a question about choosing wines yeah. in a restaurant. Yeah, so, so it does boil down to... To a, a, a personal preference, I feel. So, where does the sommelier in a restaurant come in? Yeah, I think if I, I think that's a good question. I think a lot of times people overlook the role of the sommelier. Mm. I think Singapore, we're getting we're getting there. Um, I think if you come into a, a restaurant that I worked at or people that I would trust, you say, "Hey, I really liked uh, this wine that I had a couple weeks ago," it, and we'd ask, you know, what was the flavor, flavor profile? What did you like? That kind of thing. Uh, and then you get dogs barking as well, and you got to just work with it. Yeah. Um, they like wine too, so, you know. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, once you can choose and figure out what someone's profile is or what the, the group of people at a table, you know, someone might say, I like Bordeaux, I like Napa. Maybe we go to a place like Washington State that's kind of a little bit in between. Everybody's going to like that kind of profile. And so I think that's that's the kind of the role that, that people do. Yeah, I, I got to say, I had an experience like that a couple of weeks ago. Um, I, was, I was at a steak place and I like Malbec with my steak. But this place didn't carry okay. didn't carry a Malbec. But he did come well, up with an that, alternative. I don't know if that's a proper steak place. Yeah, I know. Exactly. <laughs> but he did come up with an alternative that blew my mind, though. Yeah, okay, it, was, nice. it, it was really good. But, but what about the rules for white with white and red with red? Yeah. I mean, do, does that still apply? Because a lot of the restaurants you walk into, they'll say whatever your preference is. You know, there are no hard and fast rules anymore. I mean, I, I, I don't think there's necessarily hard and fast rules. I think those rules are kind of based off of more Eurocentric tastes and profiles. Um, you know, I worked at one of the first modern Indian restaurants in San Francisco for a few years. And people would come in and they would want spicy food and they'd be like, I want a big tannic Cabernet. And you're like, no, that's wrong. But they really enjoyed it. And then mm. you realize, especially you know, here in Singapore, people who grew up with tea and uh, tea has tannins in it. So they're used to that with their food. So they can handle 
more tannic foods while other people, you know, kind of struggle with that. Yeah. Um, so I think there are rules, but you always have to understand, you know, the person in front of you. If they're okay with that and they're enjoying it, then is that, that can't be wrong. And, it, yeah. you know, so I think it's a combination of the two. Okay, okay, let's continue this conversation on The Big Show TV. Join us and watch BB make that casserole with a bottle of red wine and find out how to open properly open a bottle of wine on The Big Show TV on our YouTube channel. It's Kiss 92 FM. The time right now is 8.13. Kiss 92 time check. Bro- okay, properly okay. opening a bottle of wine and not hurting anybody. Yeah, let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, Joey, you can show us how to open a bottle of wine while I marinate this uh, uh, chicken. So, uh, I'm using chicken breast today mm-hmm. um, just to lightly marinate it with a little bit of salt and pepper and then some flour just to coat it so that when I sear it, it doesn't lose its juices. Then, after that, I'm going to take it out while I'm going to saute the rest of the, uh, the ingredients, put the chicken back, put some red wine, and pop this casserole back into the oven. Nice. Okay. Right? So, I need the wine uh, to make this dish. Okay. Yeah, so I think the, the, the number the number one thing is, the most important thing is to get the cork out of the bottle without spilling or breaking it, yeah. which I'm sure I can manage to do both today. But uh, a lot of times you'll look at the lip of the bottle and you'll see there's two lips. And a lot of people will open the first one, but if you do that and you start to pour, it's going to spill more. So you always want to open the, bottom, the second lip underneath the foil. Um, and if you want to do proper service, always put the label in front of your guests, even at home, it's important. Um, and then you can do it either way. I always like to do the backside first and then do that. Then you just take the cork up like that, comes okay. off. And then this is the, the fun part. So when you open a, a bottle, a lot of times people will just grip it and rip it. Yeah. And it, you know, it makes that, that cork sound, which I guess studies have shown if you hear like a champagne cork open, uh, people want to, are, are a little bit thirstier. Yeah. <laughs> is, is that a fact? <laughs> it is. It's, it's a true story. But you get it to the top like that, and then you just like kind of twist softly, mm. and then it comes off. Oh, wow. So, so, so what is uh, yeah. corks versus caps? I mean, are, is there a difference? Uh, I mean, corks uh, have just been used longer uh, historically, um, and I think that a lot of traditional wineries and winemakers use them. Uh, a lot of people think that because there's cork, there's a little bit of oxygen coming into it. Um, so that helps the, the wine to age a little bit. Um, the, the screw caps from Australia, they don't allow oxygen into the, into the wine. So they kind of, in many ways, preserve it longer. Um, wow. I don't think, that, for me personally, I think there's a lot of people who only want corks or only want screw caps. Um, my family's Portuguese, so obviously we should be using natural corks. Mm. Um, but no, how, it's, it's, it doesn't really matter. How long will wine stay fresh once I've opened it? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I think if, you know, here in Singapore, don't leave it out. Um, you, you, the, the heat will deteriorate it pretty quick. But if you open, let's say you open, you know, this bottle and you finish half of it as we have half of it here, um, you can cork it, put it back in your regular fridge. And it'll last a good three to five days, probably just fine. It'll lose a little bit of freshness, but I think it'll still be still be quite drinkable. Okay. Um, and you're not gonna, you're not going to lose too much. Okay. Okay. Three to five days. And you were mentioning uh, natural cork earlier because now they have uh, synthetic corks as well, don't they? Correct. And I and I think that's probably the way that people are going to go in general because I think people like that opening the the bottle process. I think it's kind of fun for a lot of people. 
Um, and those actually do not allow for any cork taint. So sometimes you open mm. a bottle and you get that like stale cardboard smell. Mm. That you know, it's re- it's less less common these days, but it, it does still happen. But with the synthetic corks, it's literally if someone tells you, "Oh, it's corked," and you're like, "But it's a synthetic cork," they're just not. They don't have a. a, a, a they can't go, do aromas that well. So right. Okay. Um, okay. I got to tell you, Joey, I always hear this. Uh, you open a bottle of wine and you have to let it breathe. How long does it have to breathe for? <laughs> I never know. It really depends on the wine. Um, the, I, what I always tell people is if they're, they're dealing with a new wine that they've never had before, um, if it has a, a lot of tannic structure, so if a big red, that's probably going to need a little bit of time. But the best way to do it is to pour some in a glass pour some in a decanter and then leave some, leave it in the bottle and then just test it out over the, over a little bit of a period of time. Um, most wines, if they're lighter, they really are not going to need more than like a minute or two. Okay. Um, most wines are ready to, ready to go in, in, in general, I think. So white, white wines like, never need to breathe, right? Only reds. Uh, what, so sometimes if you open a white wine and you get almost like a, like a, a very flinty, smoky type of smell, Sometimes you're going to want to let that uh, about 30 seconds to a minute, and that'll blow off. Um, that's because the wine was made without using with with oxygen not part of the process. Mm-hmm. So it'll kind of open up, and you'll get more of the aromatic feel after a minute or two with with some whites. Um, and that's becoming a more common process because the wines stay fresher longer, um, and they'll, they'll do they'll do better in travel and that kind of thing. Okay. Okay. Because okay. I heard I heard once that you uh, the older wines need more time to breathe. Is that true? I would actually say the opposite. The opposite, right, okay. If you, have an, if, if you have an old wine, don't ever put it in a decanter. Uh, if you you know, if you must, then that's okay, but they're going to die out a lot quicker because they're, they're, oh. they're more fragile. Mm, mm. Right, okay, got yeah. it, got it. Okay, sorry, BB, go back to your uh, cooking okay, your casserole. Okay, let's go. <laughs> so I have heated some extra virgin olive oil uh, in a pan. Um, and then I'm just going to sear the chicken on uh, both sides a little. So what I've done just now was to marinate the chicken with a little bit of salt, pepper, and coat it with flour. That will help to seal the chicken so that it stays tender. And then once it's done, I'm going to remove it and start sautéing the vegetables. So I'm using um, maitake, which is dancing mushroom. I went to check the name again, okay? Um, And then I'm using some red peppers, carrots, um, and um, we'll flavor it with a bit of... uh, uh, tomato paste and also we're going to use a bit of this wine in the cooking uh, and also i forgot there will be some garlic and onion which i will also saute these two aromatic vegetables um, the spices we're using um, it's very simple just a bit of thyme and uh, paprika i just r- realized that i ran out of fresh thyme so i'm just using a dried one um, and also a powdered paprika and so what's special about this dish is that um, after it's done uh, you don't usually stew it on top of the stove. You pop it in the oven to give it a more even uh, cooking. So you're stewing uh, inside the oven itself. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So this one, uh, we noticed uh, the first, uh, when he first arrived, I'm like, hey, it's, it's half a bottle. How did you not open it and have half a bottle, right? So he explained to me that he's using a... A system called Coravan. Yeah, Coravan. Ah, it's a a great way. So that's actually, if you do want to splurge and spend a few hundred dollars on it, and you don't have someone at home that drinks with you, which is quite sad in general, (laughs) but you can use this needle, pour out like a glass for yourself, and then the bottle's still pretty good for another 
just you know one to three months depending on on the wine and so it's, it's a, a wine keeper to... right yeah yes. in that sense like it's it's a long needle that okay. goes in sorry hang on use our gun. well going back on uh, the radio Kiss 92 traffic. On the PIE towards Changi Airport right before Lorney Road, avoid lane 2, an accident has been reported. Also on the BKE towards Woodlands before the Mandai Road exit, a vehicle has broken down. If you have anything else, you can always WhatsApp it in to 88550920. You're tuned into The Big Show with Angel and the Flying Dutchman. And we have on The Big Show and The Big Show TV, our guests for this morning, we have Bibi Cha, our principal dietitian, as well as Joey, our sommelier for the week. And we're talking about wines, cooking with wines, how to open yeah. a bottle and all things interesting. Interesting. You were talking about how we can have an unopened bottle of wine that's only half a bottle. Can you can you explain that again? Yeah, so there's a system called Coravan that uh, uses a needle with argon gas. So you take the needle, you put it through the cork. And it goes all the way through the cork, and then it'll you tip the bottle over, and you can pour out a glass using the the gas. And it will when you pull the the needle back out, the cork kind of reseals, not a hundred percent, but it'll won't drip. It'll last for a good month or two, uh, depending on the wine. And it's a great way for you know for myself, we take wines around to different people yeah. to try to get them to buy them at restaurants, and that's the way we can do it without. You know, opening a whole bottle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. yeah I've exactly. seen those. I've seen those systems. That's so, um, this. How do you store red wine? Because you're meant to drink it under a certain temperature, right? A lot of people in Singapore, because it's so humid, you stick it straight in the fridge, but then it ends up being too cold. How do you solve that problem? I mean, the best way is to use a. You can use a wine fridge. Yeah, if you don't <laughs> have you can that. Set the if you don't have that, yeah. I mean, actually, I would say. You can keep it in the fridge, and then when you pull it out, let's say, you know, if you have your AC on, uh, give it about 30 minutes, just sitting there, 30, 40 minutes, and it'll probably get to that temperature mm. that you want. Uh, bigger Cabernet Sauvignons, you want a little bit warmer. Pinot Noir, straight out of the fridge, mm. after about 20, 30 minutes, you're going to get to that nice, cooler temperature that I think is, is ideal. Um, here in Singapore, it's, it's hot. I don't mind reds being a little bit cooler than mm. other places in the world. I think mm. that's... That's fine. Um, but yeah, I think that's the, you know, fridges, use your fridge um, and then just pull it out a little bit before you want to you want to drink it. You want to drink it. OK. Cool. OK. Good tips there. Good tips. Uh, OK. Um, you were talking earlier about vegan versus biodynamic versus organic wines. Uh, are there massive price differences between the three different types? Uh, no, not really. I don't. I think the prices are getting to be about the same in the United States. In certain places, as they've converted into organic and certified organic, that does cost money. Um, mm. The USDA charges you a fee every three years to certify yourself. Um, but for the most part, wineries are no longer really passing that off to consumers because the vast majority of them are already, you know, turning organic and and doing that. Um, but as BB is going to use this wine, I did want to say it's really cool. This producer um, from Central California, I think they take organic, biodynamic, vegan, natural, and they take it a step further into what I think we all should be actually drinking, and it's sustainable wineries. So okay. they're not natural. They add a little bit of sulfur to it, which we can talk about later, but they actually bring in more carbon than they, than they emit. So they're what we would call like carbon positive. Oh. So they capture the carbon, and in the bottling process, they reuse that carbon. Uh, carbon dioxide to to help in other ways across the vineyard in the winery and i think that's kind of for me personally like that's more important than how organic or you know or not it a winery is because 
at the end of the day, they're doing things that will help, you know, our kids, if yeah. we have kids, yeah. live, live into this world. So that, yeah. that's really cool. And the wine's good because sometimes you get great wine, wines, uh, wineries with great stories. And you're like, I really want to like this wine. Yeah. Um, and thankfully, they, they do a good job. Wow, sounds fantastic. Okay, let's head back onto the Big Show TV and complete that chicken casserole that BB is making with the red wine. Head to our YouTube channel right now. It's Kiss92 FM. Today is Monday, the 27th of March. Kiss92 Day Check. By- okay, let's okay. do some cooking. BB, where are we at yeah. now? I um, had to turn down the fire a little bit because I don't want the listeners to hear the zzzz. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, it smells good. And I'm just turning the chicken around to sear it evenly on both sides. And then I am going to take it out um, so that uh, we could saute the other ingredients before uh, we put the chicken back in and also pour the lovely wine in there. So I'm actually curious, you know, I, I, I've been told that, you know, if you cook white, uh, like meat, like chicken, you would use white wine. And if you use red, you cook red meat, you use red wine, right? Uh, is, is that I mean, I something? Think, <laughs> I, I think in general, it's more about the sauces as opposed to the meat. Um, so if you're getting like a sauce that has a little bit of cream to it or, or, or something that's a little bit heavier, then you'd probably want to use a heavier wine. Um, but I think chicken is probably the most versatile, so you can be a little bit more flexible, be more fun with it. Um, I like Pinot Noir, especially a, a, a Pinot Noir, especially from maybe the New World, because it adds a little bit more fruit to the to mm. the dish, but mm. you still get that earthy rusticness um, that I think chicken kind of deserves, um, especially with the mushrooms as well. Okay, do we get to taste this wine? BB, hang on, it's only eight twenty-six. BB, go for it, BB. I thought we were just drinking. Maybe you can tell us how to nose, how to taste. Mm. Oh, yeah, I think that that's that's for you. Thank you. Um, so I think the biggest thing. Cheers. We'll send you guys some later. Um, so I, I think the best thing is, uh, you know, you, you'll hear a sommelier and they'll be like, "Oh my God, this is you know wet stone." Um, whetstone, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, oh my God, how do they get there? Um, But I always say, break it down. Go big, then go small. So if you're talking red wines, you're going to get red and dark fruits. Um, Try to figure out, is it a red fruit? Is it a dark fruit? And then from there, determine, okay, is it, if it's a red fruit, is it raspberries, cranberries? What, what is that kind of fruit? And then from that, you can do the state of that fruit. So is it smashed? Is it stewed? Is it ripe? Is it tart? Um, and I think once you start to break it down in that way, you're going you're gonna to be able to identify what you like and what you don't like a lot better than just picking a glass up and, and, and chugging it. Mm. Um, yeah, because every time someone says, you know, do you smell the chocolate? I just lie and say yes, because I don't. <laughs> I, I, find, I find it so hard to kind of identify what's in a wine. Yeah, the, the best way to identify, to figure out the flavor profiles is go to a place like Scoop. Um, mm. We're kind of post-COVID, so you can mm. do this now, I think. And just lift up the things and start smelling them. Oh, um, right. Okay. It's also interesting because I, I was taught this when we were doing whiskey, uh, smelling whiskey. You smell it with your mouth open and yeah. that changes how the whole system works. Mm. So with wine, yeah. do I do the same thing? Absolutely. You'll get a little, little bit of oxygen will help accentuate the, the flavors in the esters for okay. sure. Okay. 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 Yeah. All right. Okay, BB, where are you at right now? Oh, so the chicken um, uh, chicken breast that we have marinated and coated with flour, I have seared it on both sides. I'm taking it out. 
Um, we're going to put it back again uh, to cook further. Um, so inside is still not done. It's just seared on both sides. Um, I'm going to just add in a little bit more olive oil and uh, saute the onion and garlic as your aromatic vegetables. Um, you can use... Um, um, the original recipe calls for butter, but you know, butter mm. is not as healthy. So mm. <laughs> we're using olive oil today. Um, just a little bit of our garlic um, and onion. Um, yes. Okay, just going to saute that. Um, and while that's happening, while I'm trying to brown the aromatic vegetables, I'm going to cut up the mushrooms. So today I'm using maitake. You can use other mushrooms if you like. Uh, but uh, maitake is like my favorite mushroom. You don't even have to cut them, right? Um, um, you can just peel them apart. Okay. Oh, so okay. Um, this is a mushroom that you can find in our regular supermarket. I think uh, it's unusual, uh, but we're getting more supermarkets in Singapore that carries uh, um, maitake. And what I really like about this mushroom is that it's very high in vitamin D. Um, so typically, if you look at, say, white button mushroom, per 100 gram, you probably have 7 to maybe 20 IU of vitamin D. This is 1,000 IU. Wow. So people who are vitamin D deficient, um, if you are you know, vegetarian and you, you, you struggle to get enough vitamin D or you don't go out in the sun enough, then you might want to buy this mushroom. Maitake. Man, I'm so white, I need that mushroom. I definitely don't have enough vitamin D. Glenn will say play golf. Yeah, right? <laughs> I'm just going to add two vegetables in there. So the, the dog that you hear barking is my new dog. Oh, you oh, have yeah, a new dog. Yes, I have two dogs now. I'm so wow. lucky. Okay, Shoju, come here. So that's Miso uh, and Shoju. Jojo. Oh, Jojo. Jojo. I thought she said I thought soju. Miso and soju. <laughs> I was thinking good. That's like vodka and soju. Jojo! Oh, hey, Jojo. Oh, my goodness. How old is Jojo? Jojo is nine months old, and oh. so he's still a puppy. Um, and so he's just yippee, yippee, yippee all the time. Wow. <laughs> Very nice. Continue cooking. <laughs> So I'm going to add the, um, the vegetables in there first uh, before putting back the chicken. And I think Joey mentioned this wine. I thought it was a, uh, a rosé, mm. uh, but it is not a rosé. It's not a rosé. So it's uh, actually four white, white grapes uh, that are blended together. And then they put them and they make this wine like a red wine. So it's skin contact or... A lot of people will refer to them as amber wines or orange wines. Um, and they leave it on the skins for about 15 days. So it gets a little bit of color, a little bit of tannic uh, background. Mm. Um, so it's a great wine if you like. You have people who hate, like, I don't drink white wine. Uh, this is a great option because you'll get a lot of the aromatics that you, that you enjoy from, from your white grapes. But then it's also going to have uh, a little bit more of that tannic structure that red wine drinkers will also enjoy. Um, Plus, the label's really cool. Love you bunches. Um, so, obviously, it's a win for everyone. Okay. Um, uh, we're going to go back on the radio, and then uh, we'll do the last talk set on air, BB, and then go back to TV. traffic. Okay, if you're on the PIE heading towards Changi Airport, you'd want to look out before Lorne Road. 
causing a bit of congestion all the way to Engneo Avenue is an accident. You want to avoid Lane 2 as well. You can WhatsApp us with any information you may have about what's going on out there. It's 88550920. Good morning and welcome to The Big Show. We are with me. Uh, I keep wanting to say Glenn, Glenn and Angel. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> no. Glenn's not here. It's Angel and the Flying Dutchman. Everybody and, forgets me. <laughs> and BB as well as Joey. And we're talking about wines. And Joey, you were just telling us that there's a, there's a bottle sitting in front of you that looks a lot like rosé. But you said it's actually made out of four white grapes. Yeah, so this is, uh, it's called uh, Love You Bunches uh, from Santa Barbara. And it's, uh, it's four white grapes, and they make this wine like a, like a red wine. So they take the grapes, and all 99% of all grapes and grape juice uh, is clear. So you get the color from the skins. And so what they do with these is they take the, 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 the juice, and they allow the skins to sit with, uh, with the juice for about 15 days. So it gives it a little bit more color, a little more pigmentation. Um, which usually you don't do with white wines. Usually they run the juice off and then re- and ferment it. That's why white wines are uh, oh. white and clear. Mm. Um, and then this one, because they use some grapes that have not perfectly green on the outside, you, you start to get a little bit more color. And the longer you set the wine in the skins, it's going to get a deeper, darker color. Mm. Um, and this is it's a really good example for people who... Um, want to drink a white wine, but know that the people they're with probably don't really like white wine. So you get the white wine aromas, the flavors that you like, mm. but they're gonna the red wine drinker is gonna get a little bit more of the the tannins and the little bit more uh, biggerness that they that they look for mm. and, and that they, they want. So, so it's you, a great wine for Singapore. You wouldn't call it a rosé then? No, this would be a, an amber or an orange wine. Um, okay, I think yeah, skin skin contact is the best way to to. To call it okay. Um, we're talking about wine now. Skin, yeah, <laughs> I know. I'll have some of that skin contact <laughs> wine, please. <laughs> what about what about uh, bubbles? I mean, you deal with bubbles as well, I'm sure. What's the difference between like a sparkling wine and a bottle of, say, cava, prosecco, champagne? Uh, what are the differences between the two? Yeah, so so cava and champagne are the same uh, method of making mm-hmm. uh, sparkling. So they'll do one fermentation usually in stainless steel or a barrel. Um, and then they'll take it, they'll put the, that wine into a bottle. Um, like, let's just give an example. So they'll put it in and then it'll be clear with a little bottle cap on it and they'll put it down like this and they'll kind of just turn it repeatedly to let the yeast cells for however long that they want to. Um, in champagne, it's anywhere from, you know, 18 months to, you know, 15 years, um, yeah. on that. So you get that briochiness. Um, Cava is made the same way. If you see something that says uh, method champenoise or traditional method, that's going to be the champagne style, mm-hmm. um, which I think is the most common. But then Prosecco is just a fermentation and adding uh, carbon dioxide into a big tank. So they call oh. it a tank method or a Charmat method. Um, so the bubbles are not quite as, as refined. They're not as strong as like a champagne or a cava. Um, but both can be quite in- enjoyable depending on your, your mood. Wow, okay. I didn't know all of that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we do have a question on our Facebook page. How does how do you age wine if I have if I bought a bottle? Uh, well, there's two ways. You can drink it, and then as we age, it... Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, um, so it depends. About 95% percent of all wines in the world are not meant to age uh, uh, most are meant to be drunk you know one to five years okay uh, whites one to three years most reds three to five years uh, but if you want to age a wine i'd make sure that it's in a cool stable environment 
Um, here in Singapore, I think you really need a, a wine fridge for that, fridge. those yep. purposes or a storage space that keeps it, keeps it cooler. Um, there's evidence a lot of people will say that you have to lay it down because you want the, mm-hmm. the yeah. juice to hit the cork. Yeah. Um, but there's, study, there's studies recently um, have shown that that's not necessary as long as it's a stable environment. If you live near an MRT station, make sure you don't put your your wine bottles on, you know right above where the train goes because um, uh-huh. that'll, that'll shake the juice. Um, but yeah, a cool, stable environment. You know, your bomb shelters are probably pretty good if you've got a wine fridge in there. Mm. Okay, that's where okay. we keep my, my wine fridge. So. Okay, okay. Let's yeah. let's let's talk more about wine. But we'll say goodbye to BB and Joey on air. If you want to watch the entire interview, you can always head to our Facebook channel or our YouTube channel at Kiss ninety two FM. The Big Show, Kiss ninety two. Okay, so uh, what was I going to say? Okay, if I have a bottle, how long can I keep it then? I mean, like, like sometimes I have bottles from like past Christmas parties and stuff like that. Are you saying that one to, one to three years only for white wine and a little bit longer for red? That's the maximum? No, I mean, I, I think the general rule is, is that, that not as long. But, you know, if you get a wine that has, you know, has good high acidity, or high tannins or high alcohol, those are going to be the ones that are going to age longer. So your Cabernets are going to do well. Uh, Pinot Noirs that have a good amount of acidity and a good little little bit backbone, those are going to last a good amount of time. But I always tell people, like, if if you're lucky and you can and you want to get, like, and you you really like this wine, buy, like, three to six bottles of it because we're always going to want to open one immediately when we buy something Mm -hmm. because that's just normal. But then you can... Try it maybe in a year or two, and then if you're like, oh, this this point, it's pretty much where I want it. Then you can drink all the rest in like within the year. Yeah. Okay. Um, but then it's gonna help you because I I find a lot of people think they like old wine, and they actually don't mm. because as a wine ages, it loses fruit, it loses you know the freshness, and for a lot of people, that's not enjoyable. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know I know people who old reds can turn into almost like a soy sauce taste, oh. and it's just. Oh. Yeah, it can't. It's for a lot of people that's not exciting. Um, but for other people, they, they love it. So I, yeah, mean, I think it's that's what goes back to the, the personal preference thing. Mm-hmm. Can beginning. you can you then use it for cooking? I mean, if it, if it turns into like soy. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, okay. Um, so it's I won't not say which waste. producer, but we had we had someone come over with a quite expensive uh, burgundy wine, and the three or four of us at the table were not big fans of it. Um, so I put it away and I cooked a. Uh, a nice beef bourguignon later with it. Um, probably the most expensive wine I've ever used. Um, <laughs> but it, was, uh, it was the only good good way to, to drink that wine. Well, let's hope right. it was good beef that you used as well, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, BB, where are you at now? And uh, just you can let everyone know where to where to find your recipe as well. So um, what I've done is uh, put some water in there. If you have vegetable stocks, use that. Um, just to lightly, you know, um, uh, cover the pan. But this is the fun part where we add the wine into the chicken. Uh, so I'm just going to pour. And, and um, after it's uh, being um, mixed uh, properly, I'm going to pop this back into the oven for about half an hour. And then it is ready to serve. Oh, so nice. uh, the recipe together with information about what Joey does uh, and where these wines are from, uh, please hop on to Food Tales with Bibi. Okay, let's see you pour that wine before we say goodbye. 
<laughs> Here we go. There's Trish. the magic. Oh, magic, magic. No, never too early to cook. Okay, thank you, BB. Thank you, Joey, so much for joining us this Monday morning. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks. See you next week. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.